What's up, Conquer Nation? First, I would like to say thank you so much for tuning in uh, this week's episode. I think you're absolutely going to love it. Uh, Brandon is a super, super cool dude. I uh, met Brandon, gosh, I don't even know, a handful of years ago. I guess it's been maybe like eight years ago or so now uh, at a bike shop we worked at. And uh, he has become a really good buddy of mine. Uh, his wife, uh, we've we've really connected as uh, a couple with them. They have the most awesome little dude uh, in the past, I guess, two months ago in Abner. So I have nothing but amazing things to say about Brandon and Lindsay. Um, but Brandon, to give you a really quick background on him, is in Oklahoma. Everybody knows him. Um, he's been in the bike shop world forever. Uh, he's been in the racing scene forever. And um, he has done an absolute incredible uh, thing this past year where he won cyclocross national championship at the beginning of 2018. He won a gravel national championship about a month ago. Uh, and he won mountain bike marathon nationals last week. So currently he holds three national championship jerseys in three different disciplines, all in the matter of like five months. So he's got a crazy, crazy, crazy pedigree of racing. He's been riding bikes forever. And I think you're really going to love this episode. I can't thank him enough for taking the time to do this. Uh, he's super busy. And uh, so it's really, really cool to sit down. We talk everything from race tactics, how races unfold, uh, training tactics and ideas, things that everybody that's getting into mountain biking should know, what the basic skills are that you should know uh, to take care of your bike out on the trail. So there's a lot going on in this episode, so stick with it. Uh, we just jump right in on our conversations. Uh, I could sit and BS a Brandon forever. So I hope you're going to like this one. I think there's no way that you're not going to like it. But thank you so much for tuning in. And if you need anything, please hit me up. Or if you have ideas for episodes, uh, at Ryan at ConquerTraining.com or on Facebook at Conquer Training and Instagram is at Conquer Training. And don't forget to check out Brandon and stay in touch with him on Instagram at B Money Racing and uh, dig in. And I think you're going to like it. First off, the reason I brought LaCroix was because uh, you were the one that got me drinking LaCroix. Oh, and so, yeah. so some of the podcasts that we're going to do, I'm going to do like where it's like with Tony, I'm going to do like beer and bikes or something like that. Nice. And so I was like, what can I do with Brandon? Because my, my trainer dude, I'm going to do like Jameson because he loves Jameson. I was like, oh, yeah, Brandon got me drinking LaCroix. Yeah, might as well, man. So that's, like, that's why I brought those up. No. Oh, and I didn't tell you congrats on the race. Hey, thanks, man. It was, uh, I was hungry for it. I bet. Yeah, I was, you know, that what happened last year when I wrecked and it was just kind of a fluke thing. I just, I was, you think about it for an entire year, you know, and I was injured for a month after that. Couldn't walk really good for like two weeks. <laughs> so, okay. So for people that don't know, last year at Mountain Bike Nationals, it was early in the race, right? Yeah, it? it. I don't recall the time because I broke my Garmin. Oh, nice. <laughs> right? Did you just like go over the bars or something? So there's like this, there's a bunch of really fast descents out there. And mm -hmm. we were hitting the first one and it was me and the guy that ended up winning. Um, who yeah. was also there this year. Um, yeah, it was just kind of on this little tech fast section. And I just, I had my left foot down and I just clipped a cluster uh, of rocks. Just and just slammed going like 30. And like landed on my back on a 
huge pile of like scree, like sharp kind of rocks. rocks. Uh-huh. And just like catapulted you. Oh, dude, it slammed me so hard. I knocked myself out, broke my <laughs> helmet. You know, I was laying there for like 10 minutes, like, no, nah, I'm not going to quit. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm going to get back into it. It's going to stop hurting. And it just never did. Because you, did you break ribs? I, I think I fractured a couple, but I dislocated a bunch from my spine. So I had like I had like this super intense like nerve pain in my spine like it was hmm. nothing like I've ever felt like I think I probably got close to like doing some real bad damage stuff <laughs> yeah like it could have been like like it could have been really bad you know it's kind of one of those things like when you don't you don't do like core exercises and stuff you know and you take a hit and it's real bad like uh-huh. it's fortunately I had been doing a lot of core like stuff that you right. kind of showed me to do uh-huh. and stuff that my wife had showed me and. So my core was really strong, and I think that probably saved my spine from some pretty severe stuff. So you had all year, because we're going to get into some of the other things that you did, because I haven't talked to you about land run yet, because I want to talk about that. I haven't talked to you about gravel nationals, which right. I haven't talked to. We haven't, we haven't even talked about that outside of the text of congrats. Right. Um, and so, and we'll kind of touch on cross a little bit too. Um, but so all year leading into redemption essentially for mountain bike nationals. Yeah. And you did single speed. Yeah. Okay. What was, what did you do in like say preparation, like training wise in that from last year, having that fire of like, man, I got to go back and I got to be better than ever. What was changed from last year to this year outside of the drive of like, I got something to prove. Uh, I mean, it's pretty similar training because I'm doing other kinds of racing right now as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know, like once or twice a week, I do a pretty good endurance day. Um, I spent a lot more time on my mountain bike this year than I did last year. So I felt when on my bike, I felt really, really good. So how many days a week? Because whenever I said I was going to have you do a podcast with me, because several people are requested to have you on here. And then people ask me a lot of questions like ask Brandon this, ask Brandon this. So, but that was like, how many days a week do you ride mountain bike compared to the road? Are you on the road? Uh, so I, I ride every day pretty much like some weeks I might take a day off. Um, that doesn't happen very often. I'd rather have like a, like a recovery ride, like an active recovery as opposed to a passive recovery. Mm -hmm. I think you get a lot more benefit from that. Um, a lot of days I'll do two a day rides like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. I might ride easy in the morning and then do like an interval work in, in the afternoon. Um, so to answer your question, Two to three days a week, I'll try to ride my mountain bike. But okay. I'll try to do I'll try to do that on the weekend. So I'll try to do like back to back endurance days on the weekend mm-hmm. if I'm not racing somewhere. Um, and I'll try to make one of those like a two to three hour mountain bike ride. And then maybe during the week I'll hit up I'll hit up like a ride if it's super windy out and I just want to get get right. off the road. You know? So your your really long like longest ride for normal training on the mountain bike is. Two or three hours. Two or three hours, yeah. But you do really long rides on the road bike for endurance purposes sometimes. Uh, I'll do... So I try to do early risers when when I'm not racing. Uh-huh. Early risers ride. Uh, 50. If I ride there, do it, ride home, I can get anywhere from four to six hours. Okay. So six hours, you know, that's kind of pushing it on how long I want to ride yeah, most days. When it starts getting real miserable. Yeah. 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 And then for... So as far as the training, you just... You felt like you trained harder this year than you have in the past? I felt like I trained more efficiently. I okay. feel like the time is about the same. Okay. In any given week, I'll ride from 14 to 20 hours, depending okay. on the week, right? 20 hours is a lot. 20 hours is a lot, but a 20-hour week, it has a lot of fluff in it. That's oh. a 
there's a lot of coffee shop going <laughs> yeah. on in that. Well, you so, and Saxby cruising around. Right, a lot of, yeah, it. a lot of zone two action gotcha. in that, you know. So the way I'll train, the way I've kind of been taught to train is it's either you're either on or you're off, right? And yep. um, you can ride all you want zone one, zone two. I mean, you ride 50 hours a week all you want. Like zone one, zone two is not going to add a ton of stress, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're riding that, you need to add the right ratio of intensity of zone four, zone five, and above, you know, into into anaerobic stuff. You need to add that right, you know, that right, right ratio to where it evens it out so you're not just riding yourself at 80% all the time. Because right. if all you ride is 80%, you're going to be, like, really, really good at riding 80%. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So if you're training right, you know, depending on the amount of hours, um, you know, if you do a coffee shop ride in the morning that's really easy, then maybe go out at night and add some intensity right mm-hmm. and then the next day if you did the same thing do your coffee shop ride in the morning or do just an hour hour and a half real easy because it's not adding stress but it's spinning out your legs from the from the training ride the night before so right? coming at this because the the bike intervals uh for specific bike training is not my strong suit like i get i can i understand the the training for long stuff i understand the training for triathlon uh the bike part of that but i I'm learning the training mechanisms for, you know, on the road or for crits or mountain biking uh, or more for the off-road stuff. So whenever you're doing your intervals, um, what kind, like what kind of intervals? So like a triathlon, you guys, I mean, we work up to where we may do three or three by 30 minutes, right? At like sweet spot or threshold, yeah. somewhere around there. You never get above threshold. Never, on a, never, mm-hmm. ever. Okay. And I have a couple workouts where you may have one minute, so you may do like... Um, like countdown so you start your, your first one's like a 10 minutes at threshold and you go one minute anaerobic or like vo2 max and then you go right back into a nine minute so it's almost like an over under except right. that first part's really long and the second part's really short because it's almost emulating like a hill repeat sure. or something like that right but it's not like that in, in what you guys do like on the off-road it, stuff. it's kind of it's kind of like that so in the off-road stuff it's there's a lot of threshold riding okay um i feel like i don't ride a power meter on my mountain bike right um but I base so I base everything on heart rate on my mountain bike, you know. And Training Peaks has like a really good heart rate TSS algorithm that mm-hmm. gets pretty accurate. Um, but yeah, I'll do I'll do a lot of threshold and then and then over under stuff's good. And yeah. what I try to do is you know with with high intensity cycling, whether it be crit racing or mountain bike racing or even gravel racing, where you're punching hills and you're actually racing somebody mm-hmm. you know because in a triathlon you're not head-to-head racing people right everybody's just out there doing a really long time trial and right. you don't know who you're racing right, right. so um high intensity with shorter uh recovery times okay is what you try to focus on so once you get out of base season so you get out of december january february mm-hmm. where you're doing a lot of zone two to zone three you're just kind of ramping up and then you get into more threshold riding in february march mm-hmm. then you add intensity late march to april to may so you're transitioning into crit season okay. because i like and this year was different for me because i didn't really have any downtime i had a long cross season mm-hmm. then i had abner right <laughs> so i had a couple weeks off and then in March, I, I think I've literally raced like every weekend, but one or two. Yeah, you've raced a lot. This I've year. raced a lot. You know, so I've had to really limit the kinds of intervals I do because I'll, I'll 
try to get those on my race days. Because you've raced like almost every weekend, and then on Tuesday nights here in of, home, of different kinds of racing. You, uh, yeah, some endurance, and then it's short, and then some some more endurance, and then we did like full gas um, road race up in Tulsa. Uh-huh. So that was like a like a crit one day, uh-huh. and then a long road race the next day. You know, and as long as you kind of mix in those intervals, you know, not year round, but seasonally to kind of ramp up to certain goals you know like could i race a crit tomorrow and be 100 percent? probably not could i be 90 percent? maybe you know mm-hmm. like could i gut it out and just suffer because i know how to do that absolutely but you and know? i think that's where you got to look at and, and i think a lot of people have the issue with it where they're like well i want to do everything or i want i want to be like you can't be on every week so right. you knew whenever you went to tulsa like yeah Maybe I'm going to be at this, like, if you did a crit this weekend, right? Right. You'd know, like, well, I'm at 90%, so maybe I'm going to help out the team, or this is my role, or yeah. I'm going to attack, throw out this tack to see what happens, because this weekend's not the priority. The, the Three weeks from now is my priority, so. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's making, what is what is today about? And right. Having a purpose for it. Having a purpose, and that's what having a good team is all about, and we have some pretty big studs on our road team. So you're you with know? DNA now. Yeah. And you made that switch this year. I did. And you're the only off-road dude, right? Well, I saw uh, Andy we jumped over. And yeah, Andy's been doing a couple mountain bike races. We've mm-hmm. got another guy, Eric Wild. Okay. He, he does some mountain bike races. He's he does there pretty good. A lot of crit stuff. Yeah, we're yeah. DNA is primarily road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I had talked to Chad and Andy back in the late fall about kind of merging together and doing something, they were all about it because mm-hmm. we just wanna just wanted something different, yeah. you know. So. So I've made, obviously, race a lot of mountain bikes and, and race cross. Um, and then the team, we've kind of done a couple gravel races as a team. That's been fun to watch. Which has been pretty pretty fun because it's new for all of us. Right. You know, and gravel's kind of a different animal. I mean, you know, it's... But it works well with what you come from. Um, it works well for me, yeah, because yeah. a lot of the skill-based stuff I have, right. you know, and then I also have the fitness stuff. Right. So to me, I kind of like it better than cross, because you don't go as hard, mm-hmm. but you definitely get to do the endurance thing, which I really, really like. Which is in your wheelhouse. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, for people that don't know, you won, right now, you have three titles. I got three. Yeah. You got three. So, you got you won cross nationals in Reno right. at the end of 17. What's the end of 17? Or first uh, it's the beginning of 18. Beginning it's like the 18. second week of so, oh, So, like in four or five months, you've won three national championships. Cross. Yeah. Um, then you won gravel nationals, which is in the... They, it's a national championship, but it's not sanctioned. Blah, it's blah, not a, blah. a USAC uh, race. It's, it's sanctioned by the United States Endurance Cycling Federation, okay. which has been around a long time. So is recognized organization. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, we went and we got a jersey. That's it. You know, it's pretty cool. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, Andy and I went up there and did that. It was just the two of us, and we were battling the Pana Racer team, like uh, which are the yeah. the gravel gods <laughs> of are. the. Of, current year uh-huh. right yeah um, those guys are super cool and really good racers but yeah we went up there and camped out in the van in like 18 degree weather oh I saw that's right it, it was nuts it sucks so I, I never told you this I haven't actually told a lot of people uh-huh. I was on Chad Hodge's bike I was on a borrowed bike so I had a borrowed bike for Land Run and then I had a borrowed bike for that okay because I don't have a cross bike right now okay and uh so do gra- you do gravel rides on do you have a gravel bike or do you normally I don't right now okay but have you in the past I would use my cross bike. The cross bike. Yeah, I have in the past. I just don't have it built up. Gotcha. Um, but I was on a borrowed bike, and it was 
and the bike was working great before I left, right? I went pre-rode like two days before on it and mm-hmm. then and then pre-rode the day before and so the so it was mechanical Altegra mm-hmm. and the shift cables actually froze in my van the night that <laughs> the night that we camped out, right? <laughs> yeah. So Andy was on an electronic bike, Altegra electronic, so he didn't have a shifting problem. So we were like two miles from the start. So we parked where the finish line was and and so we rode over to the start. And I didn't shift. Right. right. I just flat. Get, you know, get going, start going. I'm like, I'm like, shit, man. My cables are froze. I can't shift. And Andy's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, I can't shift. Like, I was in my big ring. Uh-huh. But when I when I tried to downshift to my small ring, it wouldn't go. Like, you could feel the shift. And same thing in my in the back. I, I don't remember the cassette on the back, but I was in my 19 probably. Uh-huh. So I was in a 50-19. So... Pretty much for like the first like thirty five or forty miles, I was single speeding it Shut and up. like somewhat of kind of a hard gear, <laughs> right? So what I what I did was I just went to the front and I just went the pace I had to go. Right. Like once we got going, you know, because some of the, some of the other guys would slow the pace down on the climbs, and I'm like, well, I can't slow the pace down because I'm going to be spinning like forty RPMs oh, just, just mashing this gear. Killing you. So I just had to keep this pace going. So in in turn, what it did was it really softened the field, right, <laughs> pretty early, but it made me really tired. Yeah, like My legs were, like, really tired. Because it's, like, a hundred-ish mile race? It was a hundred-something miles. Yeah. yeah, like, low hundreds. Yeah. And uh, it, it never got above freezing. Oh. Right? Bottles were frozen the whole day. How miserable. You know, I had three bottles on me, and I ended up drinking about maybe two of them over a hundred miles. Oh. Yeah. That sounds awful. It so, was, but it started working. So it started working, yeah, about 40 miles in. I started getting some more shifts, you know, and I, I really was trying to finagle it. You know, I've been a mechanic for a long time, so I, I knew what the problem was, but I just, I really had to be gentle with it because I didn't want to be, like, out of the gear too much and then, right. and then have it go because that's a good way to snap, snap the chain. Table and, yeah, yeah, something like that, you know. So I had to, but at first I was like, it's gonna be a long I was day. like, Andy, Andy, bro. Dude, this sucks. And I was telling him, he's like, no, you'd be fine. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm effed, man. Yeah. Like, dude, this sucks. You know? And he's like, just don't think about it. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever, man. We'll be good. He's like, just understand that if I'm doing whatever I have to do, it's I'm not I'm not being dumb with the race. I'm just, I have to. You just got no choice. I got to do what I got to do. Oh, good thing you ride single speed all the time. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> so that's kind of where that kicked in. And it was pretty funny. I didn't tell a lot of people that. but So that's something I do want to talk about. Is So let's just t- take that race. For example, um, because I want to land run would work too. Because so how this is the question that I've had several people ask me, and I have the same thing. Is so when you guys are out there and it's a hundred mile race. I mean, you guys kind of know it's like there's five or six of us here. Like to be honest, I mean whatever that's has a chance to win at the end, right? Got we got a couple team players or whatever the case may be. How does the race dynamic? Because people that don't know cycling or that are only recreational like watching you watch on tv they all have their earphones in and they get they all know what's going on right but in a real race people don't know what's going on so how do you keep that straight of what's really going on and how it's so in the land run there's so many it's land run 100 people don't know what it is but it's there's a lot of hills like tons so how do you know man i'm gonna attack here but it's 105 miles long or does everybody kind of just go like you said like at a really hard pace for a while until it kind of softens up and then it's kind of a few of you left then you kind of battle it out like 
how does the tactics work throughout a day like that? Because I don't, I've never raced. Right. Say, right. So, like so yeah. So the gravel scene is kind of turning. It's kind of like, and a lot of guys don't like this, but it's it's what basically just road race, right? On gravel, right? With different dynamic, you know, because on a road race, I mean, you have the whole road, and the peloton can echelon across the road, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of guys can sit in off the guy that's pulling, right? Um, in a gravel race, you really can't, depending on the kind of gravel you're on. There's a lot of different kinds of gravel. You know, if it's real thick gravel. You can't really echelon, right? right? If it's like a nice hard pack dirt road, a lot of times you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that changes the way the race happens. So, to so when you get it, a really when you get a road that you know these guys can't get beside you on in a crosswind, you just drill it. You got your you rut. Just, you just drill. It. Like say say you're on a road that's basically just a two track, you know, right. double track, and it's a crosswind from your left, right? Well, you're just going to put it as far right as you can. Because that dude behind you can't echelon, so he has to do the exact same effort as you, mm-hmm. right? So if you're a good threshold rider, then you just get in it. You're just gonna roll, roll, dude, off your wheel, right? Gotcha. So to answer your question in kind of a broad way, there's so many different dynamics that make up the way that a, that a gravel race or a road race would would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's certain times where it's more ideal than others to attack, right? Okay, like. Think about it this way: like you don't attack into a headwind, right? 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 Because it's it's not going to go right. Because if you attack a group of ten, well, the guy behind you pulling the group of ten is feeling the same effort as you, but those other eight or nine guys are sitting in, right? Right. So you know you attack in crosswinds, right? Where where the you can gutter gutter the field. You attack in tailwinds because everybody in a tailwind has to do the same effort depending on the tailwind, right? Mm -hmm. So. So yeah, like, I mean, it would be it would be pretty ridiculous if you like in a hundred mile race if you attacked a group of 50, 20 miles in. So those first twenty miles, everybody kind of maybe rides at a at a, a comfortable ish pace. Maybe it's a little uh, go aggressive. pretty hard. It's pretty. I mean, aggressive. like it, you know, it feels good. Like like we train a lot of like high intensity stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, you get to a hill, you might as well just punch a couple hills, just see what other guys have. I mean, you're not gonna drop the top guys, you know, because there's five or ten guys that are capable of winning, right? right. You're not going to drop those guys. You might soften them up a little, but that's doubtful. What you're going to do is you're going to get rid of other people that aren't going to be there at the end anyways. Right. Right. So you're just trying to weed it down. You're just trying and to weed it down. And everybody has the same mentality. Everybody has the same All mentality. All the strong guys. So your team, so you got a couple team guys, your guys are going to do that for you, and this other team, their guys are going to do that for their guy that they have kind of pegged to win. Right. You okay. Know. And then it kind of whittles it way down to a group of 10-ish guys. And, yeah, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 guys. Then it starts being real. Right. But so, right. so then, say, let's say it's, you're probably 50-ish miles in at this point, then when you kind of whittle the field down to, like, the core contenders and their teammates. Right. At that point, is it... so? At that point, of, it starts to suck. <laughs> <laughs> it starts to be pretty tactical. Right. And you just... Everybody has to pay attention, and you have to be on it, and... It's attack, someone bridges, pulls a group, another teammate attacks. So bridges. it's constant attacks pretty much the whole ride. Until until basically how those work out from, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a novice at road racing, but I'm kind of a novice at gravel racing. I've right. just had some good success this year. Right. Um, until the break gets away, that's what happens. You, it, attacking, a, constant attacking will happen in certain parts of the race mm-hmm. until the break gets away. And then it's like, say you got 
two guys from one team and some other random guy and they're up the road, but you still have like two more guys from that team in the break. Mm-hmm. And then you have your guys. Well, if you attack, one of those guys is going with you and he's not going to work with you. Right. So he's going to sit on your wheel. So if you're just strong enough to make it, well, you made it, but he came with you. So now right. they have three in the break. So now it's three out of five in the break. They're just going to start one, two, three in you yeah. until they can get two away. Right. right. Until they have, you know, as long as they have good numbers, and they have no idea. Once you're up the road and they're say you're in that group of three, let's just say it's an even number, one, 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 and one. Right. And you're in that group. You have any clue what's going on behind you or who's coming or where they're at? Or uh, You have an idea. Well, you can always look, right? I mean, right. like if you were like 10 minutes up, it wouldn't matter. Right. I mean, if you were like a half a mile up, I mean, a half a mile is not that far. You can kind of see. And a half a mile is like a minute and a half at right. 20, right? Mm-hmm. So that's really not that far. Um, so there's going to be stretches where you can see people still. Yeah, well, I mean, like, my teammates aren't going to pull that back. Right. If they like the odds, right? So this is another thing. Like, if I'm up there with two really strong guys, mm-hmm. and they think that I can beat those guys, if it came down to a sprint, they're going to let that. They're not going to They're gonna let that go. If I'm up there with two guys that they think are going to peter out, and then I'm not going to be able to make it, then they're going to bring it back, and we're going to reshuffle that break, mm-hmm. right? So they're going to bring me back. And then they're going to start attacking again, and the break gets reshuffled. And that that right there is is a very standard road racing tactic. If you watch any crit or any road race, that happens nine times out of ten. You get a couple guys up the road, like some really strong guy attacks, two guys go with, and they're not two guys that anybody thinks are going to actually be able to stick it. It gets brought back and it gets reshuffled. This kind of this kind of the terminology for it. There's so much going on. There's a lot going on. You got to pay attention. Yeah. So like for, to me, I tell people this all the time, but you really need to be good at math, right? Uh To, to be a good bike racer. Like you really got to constantly be doing math in your head to just kind of, you know. And plus you guys all, I mean, you guys are all, you know, top cat one, two guys. Like everybody kind of knows everybody and knows who's strongest. Like everybody in this region, part of the country, even if you've never raced with them, you Kind of know, you already know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You guys yeah. have raced together forever, anyways. Right. Um, so you know pretty much before you start. Kind of if 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 everybody's strong today, these two or three guys are going to be the ones that are going to be. You can if everything went good and all the stars lined up for everybody, you could get pretty close to dialing in how that how that was going to play out. Does that suck being the the strong guy up the road, and you got two guys that they don't think are going to make it and they pull you back in and you're like, dude, I knew I was going to take these two guys. but you, Or are you thinking, I'm glad that they came up here and we're reshuffling because I don't think we would have stayed away. Yeah, I think that suffer. I think that thought happens more often. That you're happy that it's going to get reshuffled. Because if you're like, if you're in a, well, I mean, just hypothetical. Say you like attack, right? And you commit to this attack and two guys come with. You do this five minute attack. It's a little bit above threshold, right? For mm-hmm. me, it's like low 400 watts. I, I can do that move all the time all day long right? so it's not just killing you it's not killing me i'm not gonna kill myself to get away all right if i'm committing to it i'm gonna stick it and then these guys start rotating through or one of them skipping pulls or the guy pulling through on me is like dropping it down like 20 percent. now i'm just gonna sit up right i'm gonna sit up i might signal back you know to, to wave up to come up you know mm-hmm. but if anything, we're just going to get caught because the horsepower is not there, and you're gonna you're gonna lose in the end because now you've burned a bunch of it right. out where you've been sitting out there. Right. In the so if we were fifty miles in, yeah, I mean, 
I'm, I might try to reattack that and solo. If we were like yourself. 90 miles in, I'd probably just full on commit and just ride those dudes off my will if I could. And go if, for it. Right, and just go point. for it. Right, but if you're 30 right. in, no. Let's if you're 30 it. in, that's a pretty <laughs> risky move. And, and man, there's some really fast gravel guys in the country that can do that. And there's really fast guys on the road that can do that, you mm-hmm. know? So it just, like you said, it depends where you're at and who you're racing because you kind of already know how everybody's stats are. You kind of already know how to size everybody up. Right. Like if you're on a pretty flat course, the really skinny climbing guys aren't going to be able to, Right. To push your threshold pace. They're not going to be able to stick with you on that, right? So if you have those guys guttered, they're they're done. If it's a really hilly course, you might be that dude that's done. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> or not hopefully. Yeah, yeah, not hopefully. Yeah, you might be the dude that's getting so popped. Let's so. talk about before, because I don't want to keep you too much on you got a hot date. Um, so mountain bike nationals. Yeah. To finish that conversation off. what? How does that differ in tactics compared to, because you can't see. You're in the trees. Right. You kind of get some time updates when you come through-ish, maybe. But if you're in the lead, nobody knows how far somebody's behind you. Right. So how do the tactics go down different on at Mountain Bike Nationals than they do at Gravel Nationals? Uh, so, yeah, Gravel Nationals is more like a road race, right? Like I said, so we've right. kind of gone over that. Um, because on, on the mountain bike, you can't see them. Um, it, you know, what was it, like 50 miles, roughly? 50, uh, yeah, something um, like that. Was it two laps? Uh, yeah, it was a little prologue loop, yeah. sub-15 minute prologue loop, and then two laps that I think we were rolling like hour and a half, hour 35 so you, on. But how do you know what your gap is? And in mountain biking, you have no idea until you cross the finish line because so much crap can happen. Right. Like, how, how does yeah, that you don't, race play Yeah, you don't out? win the race in a mountain bike race. Until I was telling know. somebody this the other day, they're like, when did you know you won? And I'm like, well, I knew I had three to four minutes, uh-huh. but I didn't know I won until the distance between me and the finish line was less than the distance between me and the corner I just came around. Right. Because if my chain broke right there, I could probably outrun the dude. You can coast and ride right. a bike on your back. And right. Run. But I didn't know I won until that point. Right. So especially with this Marathon Nationals, there's so much potential to get a flat. There's so many sharp rocks and so much scree like across the trail in certain spots. Like mm-hmm. I actually, I actually flatted to the... Friday and the Saturday. I flatted both days. Shut up. In a certain section. So, um, how I had to race that race, because I was having some mechanical problems, mm-hmm. uh, the, the single speed converter that I put on, I threw my chain twice on the first lap oh, in the first up. probably 30 minutes. You're like, what the heck? Right? So, each time I threw it, I lost about 20 to 30 seconds. So, were you in the lead at this point? I was in the lead the first time. Okay. And then I threw it. And then I got passed, mm-hmm. and then I caught Ben, um, who was the winner from last year. Um, and then I caught him, and then we were ripping down the section where I had flatted the two days before. So I was actually taking it kind of easy. And then I threw my chain again, and he got a gap, and I didn't catch him for ten miles after that. Oh wow! Right. So this is the first lap. I caught him, um, and the guy that ended up getting third place. He's from Memphis. His name's Hart Robinson. He's a really fast guy. He actually was clawing back, right? (laughs) Yeah, he actually was clawing back and caught us at the end of the first lap. Okay. So, going through start finish, we're halfway through the race. Um, it's a three up race, right? That's awesome. Which is really cool because we're racing. It's not just a time trial anymore. Now there's strategies. Yeah, there's tactics. So, answering your question. I knew I was out climbing both of those guys at that point because I'd been riding with Ben the whole time and Hart. Um, he's a he's a taller, like stockier dude, so I know he's not going to climb as well as me. I know he's going to 
have a motor maybe right. bigger than mine, right? Right. So my strategy at that point was there was a pretty good climb at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then there was a real big climb about four miles later. Yep. Um, so from start finish to the very top of that, I'm going to say is about 25 minutes. That's where that's where I won the race. Mm. Uh, I just I just head down and just well not literally head down. Right. It's a good way to end your race. <laughs> but you hammered like the prior year. Twenty five minutes. Twenty five minutes up, down, in and out, as hard as I could go. I didn't back down. And the reason that I feel confident doing that in the middle of a three and a half hour race is because I train that effort. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's one of the efforts that I train. You know, doing big threshold efforts in the middle of endurance rides, like you were talking about doing three right. by thirties for triathlon. Right. You just do stuff like that. In the middle, add some intensities in there. You know, you just train these different these different intervals where you know that you're going to have to do a similar move like that. So you just train those six, eight, ten weeks out and get your body used to doing that effort so you feel very comfortable and confident when you're in that situation. And you know that you can do it because yeah. you've done it in training. Absolutely. And when I got to the top of that climb, I felt, I was like, cool, I can win this race now. I never thought I won the race until, right. like I said... The finish line was closer than the last turn, um, but I was like, "Well, it's it's on now. It's just up to me. I just need to stay focused, and, stay healthy." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for like a three and a half hour race, like I do that kind of riding all the time. So nutrition and heat and all that it it didn't it wasn't really a factor mm-hmm. for me that day. You know, I felt really comfortable and, and confident, mm-hmm. um, and then I just had a good time the rest of the time. You know, I felt good about it. I bet. Yeah. So out of the three titles that three jerseys that you hold right now um was the first and they're all in three different disciplines which is even cooler yeah um does any of them hold a better spot in your world um you know the first one being the cross which is kind of what you were known for for a long time and that's what you chased for a while um and and we're big in that world was that was that one sweeter because it was your first one or was the last one sweeter because the wife and kiddo were there yeah i think i think the the last one, just because of what happened to me the prior year. And actually, my, my mom and dad were there, too. Oh. So nice. it was pretty cool. Was that's why I saw a family, picture of that. Yeah, yeah, it was a family affair. Um, that's kind of And cool. then my dad and my buddy Keith went to the went to Reno with me. Okay. Um, so they were there, so that was pretty cool. Um, Plus, that, yeah. that being my first one and getting it out of the way was really, really cool. Because, mm-hmm. cro- like you say, I, I'm, I was kind of known for cross, but really, like endurance mountain bike stuff is in my head is my thing i may not be better at it but in my head like that's what i've chased for a long time right you know especially single speed mountain bike racing is something i've really been passionate about for over a decade Mm. you know i've only been racing cross for like six years probably okay you know so i think i think they both have a special place you know i'm obviously happy that i that i won (laughs) both of them right and really i just left myself out there i did the training that i knew to be the best training i could do to be the best I could be and then it's a bike race man we just go out there and leave it all out there and see how it shakes out you know has uh the the last question that I have for you on it um has it changed any now that you're what are you a semi pro amateur how do you phrase that oh I just that's really just a Uh I don't remember how we on my man what did I what what do I have then that yeah, you're like a semi-pro amateur bike racer. A semi-professional amateur bicycle competitor. Ooh, I like what that. I, this is what I have on my Facebook. Okay, so that should be on yeah, your uh, right. business cards. Yeah, there um, you go. Has that changed in your training and stuff changed at all? Because you got a kiddo now, and he's only a couple months old. Right. 
Um, has has it changed since you've had him? Like, has it made things where you feel like, man, if I lose that race, I don't really care because I get to go home to this awesome little dude? Um, or is it, and like this weekend, you're going for a race and you got to leave him behind. Right. So like, it has like anything around it changed now that you've got him? Man, I think, I think I'm like less stressed out before races. Mm-hmm. So like, like I said at the beginning of this, like my, uh, my training is more efficient. Yeah. Right. Like I try to do less fluff rides and more, more training rides. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm all around stronger because of that. But, but yeah, you know, the kid doesn't really, I mean, he doesn't really care how you do. He just wants to see you at the end of the day. And right. it's like super surreal. It's also like, changed the attitude. Yeah. I mean, it's changed the way you look at all of it, you know? Yeah. So uh, and then to get you out of here, I, I got some quick questions. So cool. quick answers. It could be one word or it could be um, like one sentence, whatever. Three, since you're a mechanic, been a mechanic, wrenching on bikes forever, three things that everyone should know. And this comes from a triathlete background, which I understand how much mechanics love triathletes. Yeah. Um, as in none. So what are three things that people need to know how to do? I'd say the first two off the top of my head are how to change a flat. Yep. Quickly. Yep. Right. How to how to take a tire off and figure out the problem, and mm-hmm. then figure out the solution. Right. Because yep. there's only so many variables it can be. Um, I'd say how to clean your drivetrain. I mean that's a that's a that's a pretty pretty mm-hmm. given one. And then I mean just general maintenance of how a bicycle works. Like a bicycle is a it's a very very simple but complex machine. Mm-hmm. And I think most people look at them and they're like, oh. I can't do that. It's like, well, no, like your headset's loose. It's just two stem bolts you loosen and tighten your top bolt. You know what I mean? Like just understand how the compression of a headset works, you know, understand how a bike shifts, you know, and how to make a fine-tuned barrel adjuster adjustment, you know. Just how to do the the basic things to to get you through a ride. To get, well, like any, anything like how to get you, you know, if something happens in a race and you fall down and your derailleur's out of whack, like how to troubleshoot that in your mind. So maybe how to hand bend your hanger back and then just mm-hmm. tweak your shifting real quick. You okay. Know, so, um, coming from now I'm into the mountain biking and loving it. Uh, my skills suck still and we're working on that. No, give yourself more credit. Man. <laughs> <laughs> they're just really bad. They don't suck anymore. Now they're just bad. Right. Um, so track stand is something that I need to continue to work on, but learning how to balance on my bike has helped me a ton. Yeah. So what are like one or two things that you say that everybody that's going into the off-road world needs to know how to do or can do them like in their backyard to get better being on trail? Yeah, I'd say I'd say the biggest thing you could do is like ride your bike around your neighborhood and find kind of dorky stuff to just kind of dork around on. Like, like be learn, a kid. Yeah, like learn how to track stand, like learn how to like ride up slow to a curb perpendicular mm-hmm. and stop and like back up and ride out of it uh, right like yeah. that stuff gives you good skill for when you're climbing when you're on technical stuff and you feel comfortable being balanced you know learning how to manual is a good thing you just go right up and down your street and kind of learn how to balance and manual that can help you out a ton mm-hmm. um, and then aside from that if you're just riding a mountain bike trail just look for the free speed look for all the natural transitions in the trail that you can pump and flow you can build speed coming out of corners without pedaling. You can build speed uphill by pumping the, the way you, you pump your bike up the hill. Right? Which we still got to go to the pump track because that, right. that is the right, skill right. that I finally have gotten over like, okay, I'm not going to hit trees. Now I need to learn how to do that because right. I don't, because instinctively, because you guys, and I see like good mountain bike, you guys just do it naturally coming right. from a BMX background or motocross like with Drummond. Like 
I don't have that natural because I don't know what that feels like or even how to even try that. So right. yeah, that's something that's definitely more advanced that need to learn. Yeah, once you, you get, think about it. Yeah, once you get that stuff figured out, like that would be the quickest thing you want to figure out. Because on a mountain bike, it's less about the fitness and more about the finesse. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, so for for years before I was like as fit as I am now, I, I would win races and I wouldn't be the fittest guy. I would just be better at riding mountain bikes. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the stuff you need to learn is that small skill stuff uh-huh. that can, it'll take, I mean, you'll never lose it once you learn. Because that's the thing that I never used to understand is like, like, well, that guy's the fastest on the road. Like, why does he get hammered so bad on right. the in cross? Why does right. he, he's the, by far the fastest, but he gets like eighth place at the cross race. Like, right. But now that I do it, I get it. Yeah. It's totally, totally makes different. Sense. And, and that's why I couldn't understand why a guy was on the trail was the fastest and he would go get, he was, how does he win everything? But he's a cat three on the road, but now I get it. Right. Because there's so much skill there. Sure. Um, what's your favorite race you've ever done? I mean, everything, it, you know, you may not even race an event. So Leadville, um, is there a fun, like you guys have done some backpacking stuff or bike packing? Yeah. That, that bike packing trip to the Katy trail was pretty fun. Um, Leadville's fun. I always enjoy like the Arkansas endurance races. Mm-hmm. Lately, I've been enjoying going up to Bentonville and mm-hmm. just riding. I mean, that's really fun. I I really just try to have a good time every time I ride my bike, mm-hmm. even if it's training stuff. Like my coffee shop rides that I do a couple times a week, mm-hmm. those are some of the best rides. I learn the most from just stuff like that and just BSing with my buddies. You right. Know? Yeah. So. Um, last, uh, last question. The question that I've asked numerous times. What PSI do you ride on the mountain bike, and does it change between trail? And what PSI do you run on like uh, entire size? Do you ride in gravel? Because coming from outside, you have no clue what where to even start on that stuff. Yeah. So if you're so with gravel, um, it, that one might be a little easier to answer. Right. If you're running a tubeless setup, you know you're running like a 38 C tire or mm-hmm. smaller you're probably going to run about that same PSI, like huh. mid, mid thirties to okay. lower thirties. Um, you don't really want to run above that. It gets pretty, gets pretty rough. Um, on the road, 20, 25, 26. You mean on mountain bike? Yeah, I was going to yeah. do the road too. Sorry. Yeah, mountain bike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, normal stuff on the road and then on the mountain bike, like 20, you know, Man, it's hard. Has a different size tires. Yeah. Different so I normally run like a two two to two three. I'm running Vittoria tires, with a mm-hmm. Mezcal front and back, which I really like. Um, I think I, I think at Nationals I ran 25 in the front and 28 in the rear. And the only reason I ran that much in the rear is because there's so many places to pinch flat. Yeah. Right. And I didn't want to risk it. Normally it would have been about a 24 26. There was a Facebook thing going around a couple months ago about what PSIs people are running, Mm -hmm. and mine were high, and I've always ran high, so I've kind of dropped a couple PSI, and I really enjoy that. Have you noticed the difference? Uh, Well, no, not really, and Uh I'll tell you why, Um, and that was the other part of your question, Uh is every single time you go ride the trail, it's different. Right. If you went out to Bluff every day for two weeks, and you ran the same PSI, every corner would be different every time you're out there it's going to get drier 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 we're going to get some rain it's going to get tacky right so you you always need to be aware that you need to adjust your riding style for the trail conditions right so if you're riding the same trail all the time you'll get used to that if you start going to different trails Mm -hmm. 
and just run the same PSI and just see how it feels, you know. But my rule is if I bottom out my tire and hit my rim, that's too light. Right. right? That's too low a pressure. A lot of guys like that. I run carbon rims. I don't really <laughs> want to buy any more carbon rims. Right. right? <laughs> so I try to not bottom out my rim. That right. would be like my number one bit of advice, you know. Mm-hmm. So 24 to 26, you know, kind of is that sweet spot for me. I weigh 170 pounds. It cool. feels good. Fat. Yeah, I'm feeling fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Well, cool. I know um, now that you're actually active on your Instagram. I'm so excited. I've been good, man. You I'm have been good. I'm it. so proud of you. People can keep up with your uh, semi-pro amateur status. Bicycle competitions. <laughs> yeah. And it's B-Money Racing? Yeah, it's B-Money Racing. Okay. Yeah. So keep up there, and you can see the cute kiddo and awesome wife. You can see the whole fam there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I appreciate you doing this, buddy. You got it, man. Thank cool. you. Thanks, man.